you're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. It may look like an ordinary podcast, but this one's bigger on the inside, and it can travel anywhere in time and space. Pack your sonic screwdrivers and your jelly babies. Grab your hats, scarves, and tighten your bow ties. You're the companion now. So get ready to run with your hosts, Jason Hunt and Paul Gann. This is Talking Time Lord. everybody and welcome to another fantastic episode of Talking Time Lords. This is episode number 50. One man, 13 faces. I'm as always one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, my podcasting companion through time and space, we have Paul Gann. Just me, myself, and I. Mm. And all of you. What's up? Hey, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, 13 faces, you know. Uh, right. Oh, man. Paul. Yes. We're at episode 50. Yes. <laughs> this is a milestone. Are you excited? <laughs> uh, no, not at all. Okay. All right, guys. We'll see you later. Okay, well, that wraps up this episode. Yeah, bye. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I can't. We, uh, uh, 
I can't believe we've actually made it to episode 50 when it literally feels like that we just started doing this months ago. Um, <laughs> at least it does it's, for me, you know. It's been, I guess, what, um, now 16 months? Yeah. Jeez. Well, we, we started the last week in May of 2015. Right. So, so a year and a half will be the last week of November. Jeez. Yeah. Well, we're... we're uh... <laughs> does it feel like it's been that long to you? No. No, it doesn't. Uh, yeah. And yet it does. You know, I don't know. It's weird. Um, you'd, think, you'd think with me doing another podcast that's now almost hitting the five-year mark right? next month, which is crazy to think about, I'd be used to this sort of thing, but no. Not at all. I'm not used to it. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. It's surreal. Yeah. And and it's even more surreal to realize that we actually have listeners. Right. You know. We keep downloading. <laughs> So, which, yeah, we really appreciate that, folks. Don't get us. I mean, it's amazing. We love it. Uh, but please tell your friends. Um. Well, the, the only reason that I say that, the only reason that I say that is because of how nervous I was starting out this adventure, you know, because, mm -hmm. uh, like I said before, this was my first time podcasting. And uh, in the back of my mind, I was thinking, yeah, we can make this thing as great as we want to make it, and we'll probably not get anybody to listen to us. <laughs> and then it was like, hey, wait a minute, we, we've got some downloads, you know, and then hey, we've got some more downloads. And then, you know, word of mouth and everything and being what it is. And it, now it's like, well, this is really cool, you know? Right. And so it's like we got our own little mini community now, you know? Yeah. And uh, it's just getting bigger. It's, it's great. It's awesome. Um, <laughs> and before we jump into the episode, because we do have a topic, uh, we're, we're taking a break from our Dalek episodes. We told you that last time uh, because we wanted to do something special for our 50th episode. Because we're um, selfish. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's our show and we'll do what we want to with it, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> but but we'll finish up our Dalek our Dalek story reviews next episode. Don't worry, we'll get back to that uh, in short order. But the great thing is, and I'm going to plug it here real quick, is we've got a, a survey on our social media. Yes, for people to let us know where they want us to go next. And I'm actually surprised at the amount of people that we that have already taken yeah. it. At the time uh, of this recording, you know, it's been out for what five days, six days, something like that. Yeah, and we've got. And we've got, you know, about a you know dozen or so. 14, actually, uh, today. Oh, nice. Yes, I we hit 14. I haven't checked it, to, haven't I, checked it today, I, so I've I checked it. I checked it about an hour ago, so. Oh, there you go. We had 14, <laughs> so. <laughs> cool. And so, we, uh, want, we want your guys' feedback, so we want you to go out there and vote on what you want to, you know, hear on the show so that we can steer in the direction that you guys want to hear things so that we can... Uh, make it fun and interesting. Right. Right. One of the things uh, that, that that poll is primarily doing is we want to know if you guys want us to do Cybermen episodes next after our Daleks are done uh, or Master episodes next after the Daleks are done. Because Jason and I are like at odds on this. Yes. So, you know, I want us to do the Cybermen. I want Master. Right. And, and um, you know, because Master's like sinister and really cool. So... <laughs> but the Cybermen are awesome, especially and, the classic Cybermen. And bone-chilling. Um, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Tomb of oh. the Cybermen, one of my favorites. Anyways. Um, <laughs> ha. 
Mm-hmm. But <laughs> since we can't make up our minds, we need you to make up our minds. Um, and uh, we'll probably do a couple of, uh, you know, one-off episodes after we wrap up our Dalek episodes so you guys can get more uh, involved in that because we want you to help us and be involved in, in, in this decision. So please go over to our Facebook, check our Twitter account. We've got links to the survey uh, on both of those. Uh, maybe we should look and see if we can get a, a post about it on our website. I didn't even think about that until just now. Um, yeah, um, <laughs> we probably should. I'll have to revamp the image for that, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll 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 look into that. So hopefully, by the time this episode airs, it's on our website as well. Um, so <laughs> talkingtimelords.com. <laughs> um, yes, yes. And we'll tell you where you can find all those things at the end of the episode. Uh, but before we get into our topic, our special topic that we have for today. There's a little bit of news, or rumor of news, that hit the social medias uh, not too long ago. Which is a good thing, and a kind of not-so-good thing. Right, right. <laughs> we may have a, a month <laughs> in which the new season or series of Doctor Who is airing. It's talking to a fan, Peter Capaldi uh, was talking about the Christmas special, and then mentioned that Series 10 will probably be starting in April. Now, of course, he's probably spoken a little bit out of turn since BBC and, uh, you know, the official people at Doctor Who have not announced this, uh, but he didn't realize that, and I'm okay with that because we need some <laughs> sort of news about this. But April, that's seven months away still. Yeah. I'm getting a bit annoyed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like I said before, it's frustrating when you're getting Star Wars faster than you're getting Doctor Who. Right. You know, because the nature of the two, that shouldn't even make sense in the world, you know. We will have two Star Wars movies between the time Series 9 ended and Series 10 begins. Yeah. That's crazy. Episode 7, The Force Awakens, and then of course the new one, Rogue One is airing this December. So it's crazy uh, stupid. It's crazy I, stupid, man. I mean, anyway, <laughs> the good news is, is we've got power of the Daleks hitting in November and then, uh, the Christmas special in December. So we'll have a little bit of new stuff to talk about, but not much. <laughs> and, uh, supposedly the doctor is going to be in the first episode of class is another thing that I heard. Uh, that's the rumor. Yeah, supposedly, maybe, question mark? Yeah. And apparently class is supposed to be uh, sort of like Buffy in the Doctor Who universe. So <laughs> not sure what I think about that. Because I've never seen Buffy. Um. <laughs> well, season two is better than season one. I'll put it that way. Not that season one's really, really bad. It's just not nearly as good as the rest of them. I still I still have yet to see anything about class that makes me interested. Um, I'll... If there's a trailer out there, I'll watch it, but I, I'm seriously not interested at all at this point. So. I've been trying to DVR it so that I can, you know, have it ready to record whenever it comes up so that I can check it out when it comes out, and I can't even find it on my DVR, so... Well, it's it's not airing yet, is it? No, but a lot of times you can do a search and it'll find the show, you know, as long as it's within the next three months or something, it'll find the show and let you set uh -oh. up a a pre-built recording time for it so that when it does come on, you don't miss it. Huh. Interesting. So, yeah. I don't know. 
We don't even know when that's supposed to air yet, do we? No, I'm not 100% sure. I, I heard that it was in the fall. Let me put it that way. It, it, I'm, that information may be incorrect. Um, okay. But that's the reason why I've been trying to find out something about it, just so that I could see if, if it's worth watching, you know. Gotcha. For those who are interested, the third Doctor comic starts on September the 14th. Oh. From Titan Comics. Nice. So, nice. yeah, it's a new new series. Sometimes I see those, um, like when I go to Barnes & Noble, the, the Doctor Who comics are there in the magazine section, mm-hmm. and I almost pick them up, but at the rate I'm spending money on Doctor Who DVDs <laughs> and books, and now trading cards, <laughs> um, I really shouldn't ever go near oh. them at this point. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, and I've got four BB, um, Big Finish audio CDs of Doctor Who sitting on my shelf that I picked up for a steal at Comic-Con that I still haven't started because I'm, a, I'm scared that once I start, I will be just buying them again. Um, yeah. But I really need to, to listen to those so that you and I can talk about them on the show. Yeah. Anyway, um, so we have some variety on the show. I, I want to, <laughs> uh, I want to, I want to bring in some other mediums if, uh, whenever we possibly can, because um, I know there's fans of big finish and fans of the comics and fans of the books and we don't just want to, you know, leave those people out. We want to be all inclusive when it comes to that kind of stuff. So I, I'm all for bringing in new media. Yeah, it's just hard because uh, with something like Star Wars, the the amount of access that you have to the different mediums mm-hmm. is very prevalent. Right. Um, and so for me, doing a Star Wars podcast, it's very easy for me to get my hands on a lot of the other the information, uh, right? Or you know picking up a trade paperback at the library or something like that because it's just everywhere. With Doctor Who, since most of the, you know, of that stuff gets released in the UK first, it's very hard for us over in the US to get it without having to go and pick up everything individually and it just costs so much more money to do that. Uh, yeah. So, it's very difficult. Uh, well, you also have the stuff. problem where you have to worry about if you're getting DVDs, you have to worry about regions uh, and matching oh, yeah. those regions up. So you know, even if you find the one you're looking for, if it's, you know, what is it, a region two, I uh, think for Europe, then you can't watch it in America, you know, because you nope. have to have a, a European player in order to watch it. You know, so yeah. you know, that kind of stuff can be frustrating too when you can only find it in region two and you can't find it in region one, you know. Or if you find it in region one, there's some DVDs that are well over $100. Right. It's ridiculous. Um for example, which one was I looking at the other day? The Two Doctors, uh, which is a sixth Doctor story featuring Patrick Troughton as the second Doctor uh, mm-hmm. coming in the middle of that. Um, that has I've seen running for you know anywhere from 175 to 400 dollars, depending on the seller, uh, yeah. for a Region One DVD, and I can't pay that amount of money. Well, see, there was a miniseries that came out uh, in the late 80s. Um, I think it was maybe around 89 or so. that had Michael Caine in it that was um, uh, about Jack the Ripper. And it was a uh, two-night, you know, miniseries. And for years, for probably about, I don't know, 15 or years, maybe longer than that, I looked to try to find that on DVD because I really enjoyed that particular version of the story, you know. And I could only find it in the, the UK version. I could never find it 
in the American version because apparently it wasn't made available. And a- apparently it's just now this year been made available, maybe last year been made available in the United States. <laughs> you know, and it's like 25 years later or something like that, you know? Jeez. Yeah. And <laughs> so now my friend uh, bought it and he's like, hey, come over and we'll watch it, you know? And I'm like, dude. That's like 25 years old now, you know, and it's just yeah. now become available on DVD in America, you know, and then I, yeah. I found that really frustrating. <laughs> a lot of the, there's, there are several classic, uh, Doctor Who DVDs, uh, that are just out of print in mm-hmm. region one for the U S now, and which is why they're so expensive. So things like the time meddler, uh, for the first doctor colonies in space, for uh, our colony in space for the third doctor uh, time and the Ronnie and the two doctors yeah. for the, the, you know, the sixth doctor uh, just ridiculously overpriced, you know, well, a lot of those you used to be able to watch on Hulu, but they're right. not available there either now. So, and you know. none of them are available anywhere anymore. <laughs> yeah. Unless you want to find, you know, illegal copies on the internet. Yeah. Which I'd rather not. No. I'd rather own a. Yeah. I'd I rather would... own my own disc. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So would I. Or at least a dig- will... you know at least a digital download that you could put on a thumb drive or something. You know. Right. Um. Right. I mean, BBC, BBC America, <laughs> throw the U.S. fans a bone, please. Yeah. <laughs> we need <All> it. Right. <laughs> we should probably move into our topic now. Uh, and, <laughs> and not wallow and not wallow in self pity <laughs> for our fiftieth episode. Um, I'm having fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, All you right. should uh, you should look up the uh, the third Doctor comic book series though because the covers alone are great. They're just awesome. Yeah, yeah. I actually have a collection of. The it's called the Dave Gibbons collection of Doctor Who Fourth Doctor comics, and this was released in the '90s. This it's a giant collection of Dave Gibbons Doctor Who uh, adventures, which is a comic series featuring the Fourth Doctor. It's all of his run. It looks like at least most of it. Oh, and it goes into the Fifth Doctor. I forgot about that. It's been a while since I read it, but anyway, let's let's move on. Sorry, I get distracted sometimes. Um, <laughs> what are we talking about this episode, Paul? Our, our special topic that we've danced around for, you know, oh gosh, however long, 10, 15 minutes now? The official Doctor Who cookbook. That, mm. Spoilers. What better way to celebrate our 50th episode than Doctor Who themed food? Yeah. Oh, there is actually one of those, by the way. Oh, I I know. I think I want it. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, um, I was going to go down that. I was going to take a rabbit trail and I just decided not to. What are we actually talking about? Well, we're talking about the 13 current known faces of the Doctor. Um, Mm -hmm. And the easiest way to say this is the more the Doctor changes, the more he stays the same. Right. Right. There are 
personality traits, uh, character traits, um, and things of that nature that stay the same or, you know, different versions of the same thing uh, in each of these incarnations. He's one man, 13 faces, as our title says. Um, And so we want to sort of talk about Rather than some of the differences between the different incarnations of the Doctor, we want to talk about a lot of the the similarities and the things that bring us to the conclusion that, yes, this is all the same man, you know? (laughs) That kind of goes back to the 50th anniversary episode that we just finished talking about and the fact that the way the story was put together and the way that the, the incarnations of the Doctor were portrayed in that episode, it really did feel like that you were watching one person in the story. Right. Right, so we've got some bullet points of things that we're going to use as uh, launching off points for different aspects of the Doctor, uh, and we're going to talk about this. One of the first ones uh, is that the Doctor, no matter which incarnation he is, always thinks he's the smartest man in the room. And he's usually right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Even if he's not, he is. (laughs) Right? Right. Even if he's not the smartest man in the room. He is the smartest man in the room. That makes any sense? <laughs> Probably not, but whatever. Um. <laughs> well, it it kind of goes into the fact that it doesn't matter whether you're talking about the first Doctor or the twelfth Doctor or the War Doctor. The Doctor has this little bit of cockiness in him. Oh, a little that he will never, <laughs> he'll never admit that he's wrong, and he'll <laughs> never admit he'll never admit that someone came up with a better idea than he did. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And there is an episode. There's an episode with the first Doctor. um, It's called Edge of Destruction. And it's a (laughs) two-parter where the first Doctor, Ian, Barbara, and Susan are trapped on the TARDIS and things are going haywire and it's affecting their minds. And the Doctor thinks he's on the track to figuring it out. And Barbara comes up with this idea of, no, 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 no. It's all about this. This is the correct way to look at this. And due to the situations that are going on, the doctor completely dismisses what she says because obviously, you know, first of all, he thinks that Ian and Barbara are trying to sabotage the TARDIS um, right. because of the way that everything's affecting his mind. And so he thinks that they're out to destroy the TARDIS. Right. Um, so that's one reason why he won't listen to her or believe her. Second of all, no one can figure the TARDIS out other than him because he's the Time Lord. They're just humans. Right. Why would they be able to figure it out? <laughs> And then when he finally gets some sense knocked into him and he actually listens to what she was saying, he actually does figure out the answer. And he is forced to very humbly, with tail between legs, apologize to Barbara. Which Um, never happens. (laughs) And it's one of the most vulnerable uh, thing uh, you know scenes that we've ever seen the doctor in particularly in the classic series uh he's he's normally does not make himself that vulnerable but even the first doctor has his vulnerable moments <laughs> and that well, was definitely one of them you know going from the first doctor to the 12th doctor the 12th doctor makes himself vulnerable in the zygon inversion mm-hmm. because he almost breaks down into tears when he's giving that speech at the end you know right you literally in- see him just almost you know buckle his his knees look weak because he's so so impassioned with what he's saying. Right. But of course, you know, the whole smartest man in the room thing. The doctor likes to 
it, particularly with, with his opponents, likes to make people think that he doesn't know what he's doing. But then at the end of the day, oh, yeah. he always figures it out. You know, he's, <laughs> would, you, would you like he's, a jelly baby? <laughs> would you like a jelly baby? You know, yes. Uh, and, and then, of course, you know, he's the smartest man in the room because he figures it out. And, of course, you know, with such as, uh, you know, the Seventh Doctor dealing with Davros. Oh, no, Davros, please don't use the hand, the hand of Omega. You know, I, yes. I'm begging you, don't do that. And Davros does. And, and he's only halfway serious when he says that because on one side he's playing with him and on the other side he's like, I really don't want you to do this, you know? Right. <laughs> right. Oh. Uh, and, of course, in the process, Scarrow gets burned to a cinder yeah. um, because of Davros using the hand of Omega because that's what the Doctor wanted Davros to do in the first place. Well, he didn't Maybe. want him to use it on anyone else. Earth. For right. sure, you know? Right. Uh, but Davros wanted to use it on Gallifrey. Yes. So, yeah, there's that. <laughs> and the Doctor managed to, uh, you know, turn it around so that it, when Davros tried to use it, it backfired on Descaro, So Yeah, he, he, he tends to be able to do that, you know. Um, mm -hmm. it, and, and sometimes it's really cool when they don't let you know that he has a plan and you just suddenly realize, right. oh, he's been planning this from the beginning, you know? Right. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of those. There's a lot of those in the new series. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, because I'm not thinking of anything off the top of my head, but he when you go back the time. Yeah. When you go back and watch that entire seventh doctor story arc, you realize that the doctor has had this planned from the very beginning. You know, oh yeah, uh, and that the only is, thing that didn't—the only thing that didn't go according to plan was that there were two factions of Daleks instead of just one. Right, <laughs> and of course, the other, there was that one little miscalculation. You know, <laughs> <laughs> oh no, we're very far from the battle. And they won't, you know, nothing will happen here. Landing ship comes in right outside the school. I may have miscalculated. <laughs> That's the closest you're going to come to hearing him say that he was wrong. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Well, anything else to say about the smartest man in the room being the most clever? Only the fact that he sometimes feels like Sherlock Holmes, you know, <laughs> uh, with the master being his Moriarty, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think that was – I don't think that was intentional for him to come off as Sherlock Holmes from the beginning – but as he kind of matured as a character, it happened really fast, you know, yeah. uh, because, it, you know, he you had that aspect of the character all the way back in the first Doctor. And, uh, you know, it's it's basically came into play before the first season was even over, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, right. yeah. So I right. think that's an interesting, you know, it's almost like it's almost like Sherlock Holmes in space. <laughs> so sometimes, yeah, sometimes it is. Which is one of the things that I think makes the, the character kind of interesting is the fact that he is sort of like Sherlock Holmes in space. But, you know, mm -hmm. where Sherlock is more eccentric when it comes to his uh, coming off is almost he, he, he almost comes off like he's autistic. Oh, you know? OK. Yeah, because he's so intelligent, but he's so disconnected from everybody around him. It's like. He doesn't register what other people's emotions and things are, even though he can tell, you know, this person's getting a little irritated. It's like he doesn't understand why they're getting irritated, because all he's doing is telling them the truth, even though he's coming off <laughs> as an asinine, rude jerk, you know. And, right. uh, you know, so, yeah, where he has that aspect of eccentric, you know, behavior, the doctor has a completely different aspect of eccentric behavior. 
you know. Although there are occasions where the Doctor has no idea what's going on with the human emotion side of things. Mm, series eight. <laughs> yeah. Let's just we'll just put series yeah. eight out there as a you know exhibit A, um, the entire well, thing. <laughs> well, all all the way up until uh, the last two episodes, I would say, because that's when you first yeah. started seeing the Doctor that we have now. Um, right, and I think that I think it was an adjustment period more than anything else. You know, um, uh-huh. because he was almost cold in 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 series eight. Um, and that's probably the coldest that I've ever seen him since season one of the first Doctor. All right, let's move on. We've got we've got quite a few more points to hit. So, uh, Doctor's always had a sense of humor, uh, you know. But <laughs> obviously, some yes. more than others. But uh, you know, there's sometimes where he just wants to joke around and have fun. You know, uh, four springs to mind. Uh, yes. Two springs to mind. There are definitely elements of ten. That spring to mind, and definitely right. elements of Eleven, right? Smith. Uh, oh, but everybody's got a joke. There's even a little bit of that in in uh, six and seven, you know, but not mm-hmm. quite to the extent that you see it in some other incarnations. Right. Uh, seven's first season primarily for him, um, but he still jokes and has fun. Right. Uh, one of the most continuous situations is that the Doctor will crack a joke or zing a one-liner out. When there's danger, when he's in trouble. Right. You know, that's that's one of the things he always does. You know, things are happening, things are going awry, and it's like, well, at least it's not this, you know, or whatever. He, he you know, makes a quick <laughs> joke or uh, insults somebody, um, <laughs> and, you know, because that's his sense of humor. And, uh, you know, it's he always does that, you know. Well, that even goes Every all the way back to the first Doctor, though, because, you know, it's like we said two episodes back, you know, at the very end. What do you think this is? A space helmet for a cow? You know? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so, even the first Doctor, you know. <laughs> See, there you are. If I can help it. Well, maybe. Maybe? What do you mean, maybe? What do you think that is? A space helmet for a cow? Exactly. So, yeah, yes, that, yes. I find that very funny. Uh, oh, I love it. You know, and I, I also it. find it funny, the interaction between the first Doctor and the monk, you know, because oh, they just it's poke great. at each other. You know, it's it's like it's like... It's almost like two brothers, you know, seeing how, right. how they can one up one another, you know. Right. Um, oh, yeah. and, and folks, folks, uh, just a bit of information. If we do do our master episodes first, we will try and get um, the time meddler in there, even though it's not technically the master. Um, it was originally intended to be the first incarnation of the master. And then the expanded universe ran in different directions i think they changed it when the uh when the game came out and when the game came out they changed the the canon to show that the master and the monk were two separate characters when originally in the show they were intended to be the same character so and then the uh the war master in the war games i think yes same similar situation so uh, i'm pretty sure that it was intentional that it was supposed to go from the monk to the war master and then to the master you know, uh, in in that order, uh, supposed to be the yeah. same same character. So, so we'll probably throw those in, both of those in, uh, when we do our master episodes, just so we can get one and two in on that. But anyway, back to our our topic at hand. Uh, anything else about sense of humor? Uh, <laughs> Would you like a jelly baby? Yes. <laughs> the eighth doctor, always... you know, the eighth doctor used that uh, for humor. 
uh, in in the movie, you know, where he uses mm-hmm. the jelly baby to steal the, the 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 cop's gun, and then threatens to shoot himself, you know, right? And it was all done for the sake of humor. Uh, yeah, right. he he had a goal in mind, but he could he could have probably you know, succeeded in a different way if he'd chosen to, but he chose to do it in a humorous way, and I thought that was really yeah. cool. And then, of course, he's completely joking when he says, you know, I have a secret. I'm half human. On my yeah, side. let's not go there. He's a, it's a complete joke. He's not, not serious at all. Let's not go there. Okay. <laughs> we, we have agreed to disagree. <laughs> One last thing I want to mention about the sense of humor is when the doctor runs into different incarnations of himself. Oh, yes. He can't stop, he can't oh. stop making fun of himself. <laughs> Oh, so yes. you, know, you know, from the very first time, you know, oh, so you're my replacements, a dandy and a clown. Yeah, I love uh, it. All the way to, you know, the 50th anniversary where, you know, granddad and sand shoes. Yes, um, I love that. Oh, it's so funny. <laughs> oh, that's so good. I love it. And, and, it, and it comes off as if he just doesn't like the idea that anyone else could be his equal, you know. <laughs> that's is because you know it's him versus him. It's right. going to be equal. You know, <laughs> they're going to come right. up with almost identical ideas and things like this. You know, and, and the crazy part about it is that you know a lot of times the only reason that there has to be more than one incarnation of him is so that they can do two things at the same time and not right. necessarily so that they can come up with more ideas because right. you know <laughs> because he has the same brain. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, it, but it's really fun to watch the interaction between the different incarnations of the doctor. I love it. Mm-hmm. I just wish that um, we would... had been able to see, you know, some of the incarnations uh, that were kind of in the middle uh, interacting with some of the ones that were, you know, on the, the different ends and stuff, you know, because the yeah. closest that you come to that is the five doctors. So, right. In which I think the fifth doctor makes some remark about. The, those who came before me may be the man I am today. I'm, I'm glad I'm not them anymore. <laughs> Something like that. Um, I forget the exact quote, but yeah, he's... <laughs> oh, wow. Um, one of the other things about the Doctor is he's you know always got a very alien nature at his core. You know, while he's very compassionate and, and understanding and that sort of thing, there's always something about him that's completely alien. Um, and it comes out... Uh, more in other incarnations than some. Um, I think, as an example, we can just say you the sixth see doctor. See it more in the fourth for sure. <laughs> say what? Yeah, the sixth. The sixth. Uh, you see it in the fourth. You see it in the sixth. Um, you mm-hmm. see it in the twelfth for sure. In the uh, first. Yeah, the first doctor. Of course, you know, as far as as far as his outward appearance, he was probably one of the more conventional ones, but it, you know, as far as his personality, he almost seemed disassociated, you know, because he seemed to yeah. care more about science at the beginning than he did people. Um, right. And I think that, and, and I know we've brought this up before. I think that that was kind of a, an interesting way to start it because it gave him a jumping off point to say, now we can evolve this character and show how he mm-hmm. grows, you know, as a person, because we're going to take him from a more shallow place to a place where he cares more about people and things. Um, and I, I like the way that they that they started that off. But yeah, he definitely, definitely seems to have 
Uh, it was sort of like Spock in Star Trek. You know, he he mm-hmm. is more of an alien nature because he doesn't understand uh, the ins and outs of emotions the way that humans do. Even though he's half human, he's still he's raised as as a Vulcan. You know, um, uh-huh. and so he he has that Vulcan nature, and I think that's a similar aspect of what you see with the Doctor. He starts out completely, you know, with an alien type mind, and by the time you get to uh, where we are now with Peter Capaldi, it, you know, you see those hints of humanity coming out of him that you didn't see at the beginning, all the way back 50 some odd years ago, you know, and it's, it's like he's had this shift that was kind of implanted there by all of his different companions, you know? Right. Right. And then uh, there's, and it's always very interesting when, when a doctor, uh, who's very empathetic, very compassionate, very in tune with what his companions are feeling has that moment of complete alien reaction. Uh, and I right. forget the exact situation. It almost situ- comes off I, as scary. I, I forget the exact situation uh, and the exact context of this, but there's a scene between Joe Grant and the third doctor where she's getting upset over his, I think it's lack of a reaction uh, mm-hmm. to something that she's talking about. And she gets so mad and it's like, why are you doing this? It's like, you're so in. And then she stops and he goes, what human? Right. You know, I am a right. time Lord. You know, he, he looks at her and says, yeah, I'm not human, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, and it's, it's always so weird and a bit jarring when that happens. But you, you have to remind yourself he's not human. He's an alien. You know, he's a time Lord. He, he doesn't and always you saw things. that. You saw that with the 10th doctor, too. You know, mm-hmm. uh, he would go from being he would go from being that charismatic, jovial, you know, uh, emotional guy. To suddenly, it's almost like this switch flips, and he suddenly is almost just as disassociated as the first Doctor was. You know, um, yeah. It's, and it, and it's, it can come off as really scary sometimes, almost because, like we talked about before, like in that one episode where he just turns on a dime, and it's suddenly like, "I'm a Time Lord, and I'm going to do whatever I want to do." Yeah, and you're like, yeah. "Oh." <laughs> And it's not always, you know, and it's not always when he gets angry or you yeah. know doesn't respond the right way. It's it's also you you're reminded of that when he just starts spouting off information that makes absolutely no sense because to you know, anyone he's but got him, so much, <laughs> right? To anyone but him, um, it makes complete sense to him. And somebody and I mean, yeah. you just sort of stand there going, "What are you talking about? I don't understand." And he's like, "Yeah, well, you know." This science hasn't been, you know, discovered on Earth for another three thousand years or whatever yeah. it is, you know, that sort of thing. Or sometimes um, it's something as simple as you see this device, it goes ding. I made it myself, and it goes ding. And you're sitting here going, <laughs> "What is its purpose?" It goes ding, you know. And he never right. tells you what it's supposed to be for. He just uses it for what it's supposed to be used for, you know. <laughs> right. Or, uh, or in the episode Dalek, when the ninth Doctor, uh, you know. Use, finds that piece of alien tech and says, "No, no, no! It's not anything, in, you know, bad or anything. It's a musical instrument." And he <laughs> demonstrates, you know, right his his complete knowledge of the 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 thing. So, right, um, and and everybody yeah. else is sort of looking like an idiot, you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> or when he's going through in the same episode when he's going through the weapons and he goes, "Nope, nope, nope, broken hair dryer," you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> And, and it looks like it looks like a, oh, a gun, but no hair dryer, and he throws it away. Yep. You know, <laughs> right? 
and sort I'm going to sort of uh, branch off of the alien nature and go into the fact that the Doctor always has a big personality. No matter what incarnation, he's always got a big personality. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> some definitely bigger than others, looking at you, Tom Baker. Um <laughs> Actually, both of the Bakers. Let's just yeah. let's just say Bakers. Uh, uh, you know, Tom and Colin. In two completely uh, different ways, you know. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, let me just give you a little bit of an idea for those of you who don't know about Colin Baker. In, in his first episode, he goes from, you know, being completely fine and so happy that he's regenerated because the other one was, you know, too sissy or whatever. <laughs> to manic. Because he, something's gone wrong with his regeneration. He goes manic. Right. Uh, completely tries to strangle his companion to hitting the other wall going, oh, no, why did I do this? I must go into contemplation and find myself. And then as they land on and this, you know, desolate asteroid for contemplation, for contemplation he scares across the, the rocky hills and everything, quoting Shakespeare, you know, loathing his own soul and all of this. You know, and he he's very dramatic, let's just say, yeah. the, the Sixth Doctor. Uh, dramatic quotes are his speciality. Going back to what we've said before, he also has a little bit more of the cockiness than some of the others do. Uh, you know? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he does. Oh, man. Especially, especially when it comes to uh, uh, Barry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she gives him, you know, when, when he picks out his, his coat of many colors, she goes, mm, yuck. And then later <laughs> on in the episode, she comes out with a new outfit, and she goes, ta-da, what do you think? He looks at her, yuck, you know, very pointedly, <laughs> yuck. Uh, uh, because he's still miffed that she doesn't like his new outfit. <laughs> right? That's almost but, a reversal on the fourth Doctor and Romano when she changed, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Take it away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but all uh, of them have their own distinct personality uh, types, you know, big personality types. You know, obviously the second doctor is called the, the cosmic hobo because he just sort of he's a wanderer and he he acts very confused. He acts very confused. Yeah. Mind you, uh, he's very intelligent, yeah. but he's, you know, a bit of a, of a bumbling buffoon. To those who aren't smart enough to catch what he's doing, it's more of an <laughs> so, act. It's it's sort of like oh, yeah. what it's sort of like what uh, Clark Kent does to not let people know he's Superman. You know, right? Um, it's it's almost like a a alter ego of sorts. And you know, we've seen Tom Baker do something similar to that as well, uh, mm-hmm. where he is clearly he knows exactly what he has in mind. He he is very clear as to this is what has to happen and this is how I'm going to do it, but he uses misdirection in just about every way that you can think of in order to yeah. keep other people from knowing what he's going to do. Sort of like Matt Smith with the Jammy Dodger, you know? Oh, yeah. I was I was just going to bring up <laughs> Matt Smith. Uh, you know, he's he has you know the quirky, the quirky big personality. You know, let's just go to the Dream Lord and say, you know, who quote is yes. quoted as saying, you know, if you had any more tawdry quirks, you could open up a tawdry quirk shop. Uh, just... <laughs> the, the War Doctor, can you say anything without moving your hands? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yes. No. Never mind. Um, the hands just don't stop moving the entire time he says. Oh. It. Oh, but it's man. one of the things that makes his doctor so special, you know. Oh. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. 
sort of like so, um, sort of like uh, Peter Capaldi with the angry eyebrows, you know. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, anytime he's contemplating oh, on something, he always looks angry, you know. Right. Those, those <laughs> eyebrows, they're severe. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> all right. The Doctor always shows an extreme loyalty and responsibility towards his companions. Sometimes to too much here. so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, series nine, anyone? <laughs> mm. Sometimes, Doctor, there's a point where you uh, just have to let them go. Yeah. Not resurrect them into immortality. Well, he even mm. went so far as to behave in a almost completely undoctor-like manner, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> of course, we've already discussed this on other podcasts, so, you know. Right, right. <laughs> so, But he is incredibly, you know, he takes responsibility for his companions. You know, obviously he's extremely loyal to them, and even though they have squabbles and get into fights and they'll insult each other, uh, if there is a problem, he will take their side. When you're talking um, about doctor loyalty to a companion, you know what the first thing that comes to my mind is? Rose? Caves of Androzani. Oh, yes. Because Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's the first thing that comes to my mind. Um, Fifth Doctor. Yeah. Um, that he, is such he, a powerful story, you know. It is. It is. He has... This is only the second storyline, you know, that we've gotten on screen with Perry as a companion. You know, this is her second time out uh, right. as a companion. And her and her first time by herself. The previous one, Turlo, was still there. Um, and so when they get in trouble and they both get, uh, get Spectrox Toxemia they both get this disease and they're dying from it. There's one vial of the antidote and the doctor gives it to her, right. Which causes him to regenerate. Well, the way that they play this story up is they play it as with their interactions and stuff at the beginning, as if they've been doing a lot of traveling that we've not seen, you know, right. That, that is true. Um, that is true. Which would, you know, what, which would make the, the, story arc make more sense when you watch it with that in mind, you know? Right. Uh, but yeah, no, the, the loyalty, the responsibility, uh, the care that he takes, um, the second doctor takes Victoria on as a companion because he promised her father, uh, that he would take care of her, uh, after the Daleks, you know, destroyed their house and, and killed her father in the process. And he did until he found her a new home. Um, yeah. I think, you know, Rose comes to mind mm -hmm. a bit just due to the devotion that the doctor shows her over two plus regenerations, I well, guess. Not only know. that, the, the fact that he promised Jackie that he would take care of her, you know. Right. Um, right. And then uh, I, I would say amy and rory because uh mm -hmm. you know he, once again he promised rory's dad that he would protect them you know yeah and then look what happened so yeah uh, i would say that by the time you get to the end of their run i would say uh ian and barbara oh yeah were in that camp because uh the first doctor really took it hard when they left oh yeah that's a great transition into one of the other ones I want to talk about is that the doctor hates goodbyes. Oh yeah. 
<laughs> absolutely hates goodbyes. Yeah. All of them. And that is one of the ones I really wanted to bring up from the get-go. Yeah. Um, obviously, Susan leaves, and he gives this you know very touching little speech about, you know, one day I'll come back, uh, but until then, you know, let me no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just move forward with all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. You know, and then he right. says goodbye. And it's very sad. But this one, when Ian and Barbara are ready to go home, he is so hurt by that thought that he gets angry with them. It comes off like it catches him completely off guard, you know, like he did not expect yeah. that to happen. And and really, no. it almost comes off like they almost didn't expect it to happen. Like they suddenly had this realization, uh, almost spur of the moment, and, and it suddenly hit them that that's what they wanted to do, you know. And right. Uh, so it, the whole thing comes off is, is rather sudden, you know. Yeah. Yeah. They, they have this opportunity to take the Dalek time machine and take it back to Earth. Uh, and, you know, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity almost, and so they jump on it, and the Doctor was not expecting it, and he reacts very... He takes it very hard, to say the least. Right. And, uh, you know, that's very... That really sets the tone going forward uh, with companion goodbyes. Um, when Joe leaves the third Doctor, you know, she decides to stay... Uh, with I forget the guy's name, but he's the scientist guy who's you know going to make this trip up the Amazon and they're going to get married and all this fun stuff. She decides to stay with him. The she tells the third doctor, and his lack of you know visceral reaction hits you more than if he had gotten mad or you know started to cry or anything. He just sort of goes, "Okay, well if that's what you want to do," and then while everyone's celebrating the fact that you know this guy's just proposed to Joe and they're going to get married, uh, he leaves. He doesn't stick around, and he drives off. That's in the, the episode called The Green Death. And it's really kind of heartbreaking. And then, of course, you know, the fourth Doctor tells Sarah Jane flat out, I I hate to say goodbye, you know. <laughs> and so they just say, you know, until we meet again. Yeah. Uh, and it's it continues over and over again. Yeah, the whole thing with Sarah Jane when she left was... was uh very very almost made up you know it, it was like i'm going to tell you what i need to tell you to make this not awkward and hard to do and then i'm going to leave and mm-hmm. of course then you you see her again with the 10th doctor and it's almost like he goes oh crap you know because now he feels like he has to say goodbye all over again you know right and she makes him um, say goodbye because she needs right. that that closure and yeah, so that's that is something that uh, over the years you see a pattern of him just not wanting to let these people go. So rather than acknowledge that they're leaving, he's just going to move on and pretend it never happened. Right. Um, but you know, sometimes he can't. Uh, you know, particularly like with uh, yeah. Amy and Rory, he goes into you know yeah, sort of exactly. a self-imposed exile for a while. You know, until Clara gets him out of it. Well. Uh, Twelfth Doctor, uh, at the end of Series mm. 9, had to have his memory wiped in order to say goodbye to Clara. So he's still not, he's still not gotten much better uh, in all of his, what, 2,200 years or whatever. He's still not gotten much better. Not at all. Not at all. The Doctor loathes violence. He abhors violence. 
He'd rather not have anything to do with violence. He'd rather find a peaceful way to do things. That's gone all the way back to season one of The First Doctor. Oh, yeah. And we saw this most recently um, that I can think of off the top of my head in the Zygon Invasion, Zygon Inversion episodes. Yeah. Uh, where we get that, that big speech there at the end to wrap that up. Obviously, some doctors have been more prone to take you know violent action than others when needed. Uh, he's he won't avoid violence if it's forced into into the situation, but he would rather not. Well, even he even has to be manipulated um, from the eighth Doctor regeneration into the War Doctor. He literally has to have them manipulate his regeneration to make him into someone who's capable of doing violent actions so that he can go to war. Right. That that tells yeah. you right there just how much that is not a part of him naturally. You know, that was the, the war doctor was actually a manipulation and that was the reason why he was able to do those acts of war. Uh, and that's also the reason why he didn't want to acknowledge the fact that he had done so many different violent acts in the, the time war because he was ashamed of having done all that. Right. Yeah, definitely. Oh, the fifth doctor in general just rather would rather talk things out than do any sort of physical altercation. Uh, the Fifth Doctor in general right. is a very, very passive personality um, unless he's forced into, you know, to taking action. Now, the, the Third Doctor would, on occasion, use a, a form of violence, but it was almost always non-lethal violence, you know, right? Uh, because right. He, was, he was going to disable his opponent rather than kill his opponent. You know, mm -hmm. and so I can still look at that and say that he was a nonviolent person at heart because uh, most of the time, about 99 times out of 100, he wanted to disable his opponent rather than kill his opponent. Right. Now, he, he's uh, and he also talks about uh, in uh, Planet of the Daleks when he tells the uh, the Thals that are going back to returning to their homeworld to, you know, not glorify the idea of war and winning that that war right. against the Daleks, right. you know, you know, don't glorify it. Make sure that they know about the losses and about the the horrors and the heartbreak, because you know, otherwise you will become a violent people. Uh, you know that sort of thing. And see, that scene at the end of that is the one that, in my head canon, makes me believe that the Thals decided that it would be better to leave Scarrow rather than continue the war with the Daleks. Yeah, I that would make sense. That would definitely make sense. Because um, we really I never get so. a conclusion to that as far as I know, as far as what happened to the Thal. Yeah, and not not in the, the TV series, at least. Um, I, I'm sure there's a comic or a novel or a big finish that, that tells us, but I haven't read it. <sighs> now I've got a homework to do. <laughs> <laughs> no, now I've got a homework to do. I'm going to have to look that up. Now that I have that in my head, I'm going to be like, you know, obsessing over that for weeks and maybe even months until I find out the answer, you know. <laughs> right. Because Jason's not the only one with Doctor Who OCD. <laughs> <laughs> one other aspect about uh, his, you know, abhorrence to violence is the fact that he will often try and save his opponent from, you know, yeah. death or whatever. Uh you know, look at the eighth doctor, and as the uh, the master is being pulled into the eye of harmony, he reaches his hand out to you know help him, and right. the master refuses to take it. Or with yeah. the tenth doctor, 
uh, going back to offer Dalek Khan some sort of peace, some sort of resolution. And Dalek Khan, you know, right. does the emergency temporal shift. And then he even gives the same uh, option to uh, Davros uh, the next time he runs into the Daleks. Yeah. He goes so far as to yeah. try he's, and he's save actually, the lives he, of his opponents. He's actually given Davros that option more than once. Yeah. He's actually given Davros that option more than once. So he's a peacemaker at heart, but he's not above using violence if absolutely necessary and there's no other way around it. Right. Which is essentially why, you know, as you were talking about earlier, why the war doctor was birthed, so to speak. Yeah, because he specifically says, turn me into someone who's capable of going to war. Right. So Because that was what was called for at the time. All right. Well, let's... Let's wrap this up with something more on the fun side, something uh, that we can all have fun and laugh about. The Doctor, <laughs> each and every one of them, always has a unique sense of style. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and at some point, we are going to do an episode devoted just <laughs> to the costumes of the Doctor. Because they're uh, just so fun, you know? Yes. <laughs> indeed. He's always got to have a unique look, and I love it. Uh, the only one that, you know, almost doesn't have a unique look is the second Doctor. He's almost just using uh, the two big clothes from his first regeneration, but they're altered slightly. So, you know, he's got kind of his own look, but the only one that doesn't have as distinct a look is the second. Doesn't he have a different jacket, I think, if I'm not mistaken? I, I think so. It, it's definitely a bigger jacket. Yeah. I don't know if that's just to give the idea that he's still wearing his old jacket from a, you know, a taller regeneration because he's definitely shorter as the second doctor right um but but the jacket is definitely bigger and he's got uh you know definitely a louder print for his pants um right. the first doctor did you get the idea that he's almost using you know, hand-me-downs <laughs> as the second doctor you got a similar feel to the fourth doctor too though because his his outfit felt very used it felt very um, very much like it had come from a secondhand store, you know. Right, right. But um, it was definitely a unique look uh, right. that he hadn't used before. Yeah. So you got more of the new or newer clothes feel from the first and third doctors, and from the second and fourth doctor, you got more of the not. I don't want to say ragamuffin, but you know, more of the used kind of feel to their outfits you know yeah yeah well the second doctor's called the con isn't called the cosmic hobo for nothing um, <laughs> you know <laughs> and then of course the fourth doctor is more of a you know a traveler uh, for all seasons sort of idea um, <laughs> yeah if you were and then he goes if you were casting him today as a character maybe with an american actor or something like that the fourth doctor strikes oh me as being the one that you would see uh, maybe meditating in the corner of the TARDIS at some point with no shoes, you know, uh, just, mm. you know, that he's, he comes off as that kind of hippie eccentric type to me, you know? Yeah. Um, and and I love it. I absolutely love it. You know, uh, he, he's not my favorite classic doctor for no reason, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but then he, he, he gets, you know, after the fourth Doctor, which his look almost looks thrown together, um, he has very distinctive looks from then on out. Like yeah. you know, he goes out of his way to pick a very specific style. Um, you know, obviously, the fifth Doctor loves cricket. The sixth Doctor just needs something to match that personality. 
and then the, the seventh gets a little bit on the nose with all the question marks. Right. Um, <laughs> but oh. then he goes into, you know, the idea of having a unique sense of style, but making it very put together, you know, not See, the, sort of out of the box. The thing that makes the eighth doctor different though, is that his outfit was found. It wasn't something he picked. You know, right. And so true. when you go into the big finish episodes and stuff, he actually chooses his own clothes and stuff at that point. And he actually dresses a little bit more in the style of the ninth doctor um, at that point, once he chooses his own outfits, um, but with a slightly different style jacket and things like that, you know. Um, but he, he still, you know, when you see him in the depictions later on in the, the big finish uh, episode, you know, pictures and whatnot. Uh, he looks like he has um, almost a cross between what the Ninth Doctor is wearing and what the War Doctor is wearing, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, I need to look at more of those. Um, but then, and that's something definitely that, that's, in that's something Paul McGann brought into it because he specifically said that he had an idea of what he wanted the Doctor to wear had it gone to a full series. So. Gotcha. But then, of course, we get to the modern series, and not only is it a very distinct style but it's almost trendy to a degree mm-hmm. um you know he he definitely has a much more much more of a sense for current style which is interesting uh, i don't know exactly how to make what to make of that well matt smith's doctor wasn't necessarily that way um he kind of went a little bit more retro in what he was wearing um right and, uh, Although that, that was kind, that was kind of current with the advent of the the hipsters. Uh, I, I think that actually could be what helped create the hipsters. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> because I know several hipsters in this area that started wearing clothes like that as soon as they saw the Eleventh Doctor wearing his outfit. So, you know, um, <laughs> yeah, the the Twelfth Doctor with the the sports jacket and the hoodie. You know, who would think to put those two things mm-hmm. together? Um, I know yeah. I, I wouldn't. And he's got those, those, uh, they almost look like army boots, you know? Um, right. So, you know, that is a really interesting combination to me because that, that eccentric combination, you know, I would never think to put that together, but then I look at it and I'm like, you know, that looks kind of cool. I think I might try to put something like that together, you know? Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, so I, it, <laughs> I am, I am just waiting for a doctor to take, clothes from like five different time periods and put them together you know i really want to see the doctor do that you know start getting styles confused because he's seen so much and been around so long you know what i would like to see see that i would like to see them like maybe even with the next doctor you know whenever he comes you know maybe five or six or eight years down the road you know (laughs) (laughs) um I would kind of like to see them take different pieces from different doctors' wardrobes over the last 13 incarnations and put them together in one outfit. You see what I'm that saying? That would be interesting. But, you know, they, yeah. they could take something like, say, the, the seventh doctor's umbrella and the fourth doctor's scarf, you know, and, and take different aspects of what made each doctor so iconic visually and put those things together, you know, like the fifth doctor's celery stick, you know, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. I, I mean, 
while I think that would be kind of cool to see what they would come up with, um, it also makes that Doctor a little less unique in his style, I suppose. I don't think the Doctor wants to reuse things, uh, so to speak. <laughs> Maybe, you know. Um, but I just think it'd be interesting to see what could be done with that, you know. Um, do you have a do you have a favorite uh, look? Oh, the fourth doctor. <laughs> is there a specific is there a specific look of his? The extra long scarf, you know, the one that he had with Ramana too. Um, you know, and I preferred him without the hat, but the hat's cool too, you know. Um, mm -hmm. but I know sometimes he wore it and sometimes he didn't, you know. Um, right. And but that that's probably my favorite overall look for the doctor. But see, you could even do something like you could take, uh, say the long coat, like, you know, the, the, that David Tennant had and put it with the, the extra long scarf that Tom Baker oh, had, you know, that kind of thing. He'd be tripping over um, everything. <laughs> I just think that would be really cool to have that, you know, in an incarnation. That's just my personal opinion. <laughs> and I know it's probably not everybody else's. I just think it'd be nice to see that. Um, but I did actually have a, a thought of something that I thought could be kind of interesting to see um, in a, a future incarnation of the doctor. If, uh, if they ever decided to go that way, you know, because there is, you know, there's supposed to be the idea that he is the wandering traveler, you know, and, something that I thought would be interesting to see would be for him to maybe have um, almost like a duster, Ooh. Uh, you know, at some point, you know, yeah. so, so that it, you almost have a little bit of that wandering cowboy feel, you mm -hmm. know, and the TARDIS of course would be representative of his horse, but you know, <laughs> uh, you, you don't, you don't want him to look cowboy like, but you would, you you could bring little hints of that kind of, you know, traveler, type apparel in there, you know, um, like maybe he could have something that would be reminiscent of, uh, like some of the explorers from, you know, back when they were excavating, you know, some of the, uh, tombs in Egypt or something like that, you know, like have like one little piece of, of, uh, clothing that goes with something like that. And another piece of clothing that goes with like the, like I said, the, the adventurers, uh, maybe that were, uh, exploring the new world, you know, and, and just take little bits right. and pieces of that kind of stuff, like through history, you know, with maybe like the, the, the Western style code or something, you know, and you could put all those different little aspects together to come up with a completely unique look that, and using pieces that might not necessarily even originally be intended to go together. But once you put them all together in one cohesive look, they actually look like they were supposed to be together. You know, uh, I think that yeah. would be kind of interesting to see. Yeah, no, I, I, I like that idea. I, I do. Um, and it's, it sort of goes along with my idea of, of mixing and matching things from different time periods and different mm -hmm. parts of the world. And then maybe even complete uh, include something that's completely alien. You know, yeah. what happens if he wears something that's not of Earth? Hmm. That would be interesting. Well, I mean, that could even be something as simple as him deciding to carry his Gallifreyan pocket watch or something, you know. Right. Um you you could go as subtle as you wanted to, or as as flamboyant as you wanted to. You know, uh, heck, right. give him a vest that has Gallifreyan writing on it, or something. You know, uh, Ooh. maybe a blue, like a blue vest with like in, you know inlaid Gallifreyan writing on it, or something like that. You know, and uh, and you know have like maybe the the long duster coat over the top of it, or something. You know, that'd be kind of cool. 
<laughs> Maybe we should save more of that for our episode all about uh, Aladdin's costume. All right. Well, <laughs> let, let's go ahead and, and start uh, wrapping this up. Is there anything else that you really want to bring out about the Doctor that is the same uh, across all his incarnations? I will say this, and this is something that I was able to see in the 50th anniversary episode. And that was the fact that as old as the doctor is and the older that he gets, you still see that twinkle in his eye to where, (laughs) you know, he still feels like he's a child at heart. You know what I mean? Right. Even though, right. Even though he is going through something that is really traumatic and really grave and, and torturous you know, he still has that ability to have that twinkle in his eye to to where you can feel that innocence almost in, in the depths of his heart that makes him come off even when he's in his oldest incarnation and his most grumpy incarnation. You know, like you see that in the first doctor, you see that in the 12th doctor, you saw that in the war doctor when he was finally able to smile, you know, and it right. was like it, it's that little glimmer of hope. That little glimmer of hope that's always there, regardless of the situation, you know, and I, I think that one aspect is one of the things that makes him always feel like that same man and that same hero that we've known for the last 50 some odd years. And I don't think I could top that. So we're going to go ahead and just (laughs) end the discussion there. Um, (laughs) That just oh, kind of hit me all of a sudden, you know. <laughs> that's that's great. That's great. I love it. We do want to remind you, uh, we talked about at the beginning of the episode, to make sure you help us figure out where we're taking the show next. Uh, check out the our, our survey uh, that we've got on our social media to weigh in on uh, whether we do Master or Cyberman episodes next. The Master. Uh, and then also give us your... Cyberman. <laughs> Uh. all right well anyway uh, you can (laughs) stop it (laughs) Uh, if you don't stop paul you will be deleted delete 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 is that bad Okay, well, if you want to weigh in on where we take the show next, or if you want to weigh in on this episode, your thoughts on the Doctor in general, um, or anything, uh, please hit us up on our social media. That's uh, facebook.com slash talkingtimelords. Our Twitter account is at talkingtimelord, or you can email us at talkingtimelords at gmail.com. Of course, links to all of our social media, as well as links to each and every one of our previously released episodes and hopefully even our survey, once we get this episode out, is on our website at TalkingTimeLords.com. Our TARDIS on the internet. Oh, man. Um, I can't believe that we're almost finished with our Dalek episodes. I really can't. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Because, you know, it's sort of like how you eat an elephant, right? One bite at a time. And it just, at the beginning, it <laughs> felt really, really daunting. But now it's like, wow, it it didn't feel like it really took that long but you know it's been over a year and you know we're just now finishing it up but it really didn't feel like it took that long right for for being his his most feared foe you know the doctor's only running up against the dalek so many times um (laughs) 
But, uh, yeah, we will finish up our Dalek episode reviews next episode, episode 51, uh, with Into the Daleks. So come back for that. That'll be great. Yeah, this one's this one's a really interesting episode as well, you know. Yeah. Yeah, there's <laughs> some interesting things that go on here. And we'll revisit the 12th Doctor. So that'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think that will wrap up this episode of Talking Time Wars. Uh, this has been episode number 50, One Man. 13 faces. For Paul, I'm Jason, and remember, until next time, may you hope far-flung hopes and dream impossible dreams. Thanks, guys. Talking Time Lords is a proud member of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Visit thunderquack.com to see their entire catalog of podcasts, or visit patreon.com slash thunderquack to help support the shows. 